marching bands, giant blow-up floats. But we will especially be thankful if our team wins the big game. We are also thankful for the special things in life, like our family, our house, our car, and of course, cable television. We are also thankful for the little things, like food, electricity, running water, and 5 a.m. Black Friday sales. But we are a spiritual people. So while in church today, we are also thankful for our pastor, our church family, potluck dinners, and short sermons. But as we look at all the things we have been blessed with, we must ask ourselves, have we missed the point of Thanksgiving? Is Thanksgiving about our blessings, or is it more about the one who has blessed us? Instead of asking, what are we thankful for? Maybe we should be asking, to whom are we thankful? The Bible very clearly describes the act of thanksgiving. It says, now our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks to the Lord. Okay, it's Be Thankful Month. And, and I know that there's nothing going on in any of your lives that you aren't just com- completely, tremendously, all out thankful for, right? It's all going good, it's all great, it's all wonderful, and so enough said, we got, we got this month covered. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. Uh, uh, there are things that are easy for us to be thankful for. There are those things that are very challenging, in spite of the fact that on our calendars it says that this week, this month, we're going to have a be thankful time. So, uh, so we're going to talk through that in the next uh, four Sundays, Lord willing. We're going to kind of, kind of think through that because... Uh, what we're going to see in a passage a moment ago, there's this kind of outlandish command by God saying, be thankful. And uh, just like you, uh, uh, there are times when I do that very easily, and then there are some circumstances and circumstances and situations where that's a little tougher. In fact, I can think of one. In fact, this happened on Thanksgiving Day uh, a whole lot of years ago, and at the time, uh, Mary, and Lou, I can't, Mary Lou and I, I can't remember exactly how long we've been married, but uh, we've been married a few years. We, I, think, I think our oldest daughter was born, maybe our, our second daughter as well. I'm not, I, I'm not sure exactly the timeline there. But, but what happened is that particular Thanksgiving, I, I had to work. Uh, I was pastoring a church, but I was also working a part-time job. And uh, I had to work uh, right up until the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, in my family growing up, uh, for a number of years, we had, we had this, uh, well, we had, at least once or twice, we'd visit this family that lived in Kansas that were really good friends of ours. And, and we would love to, we'd go there and we played fast, uh, we'd have Thanksgiving and play a football game out in the yard and just, you know, really had, had a great day. And so uh, uh, my parents had already left to go to Goodland, Kansas to be with that family. And, and the plan was that Mary Lou and I were then going to get in the car early uh, Thanksgiving morning, and we were going to head uh, to Kansas uh, as well. We, uh, on Thanksgiving morning, did exactly that. We jumped into our Datsun 510 station wagon. Man, that was, that was a hot car back in those days. Uh, really good for my male eagle. But anyway, uh, so hopped in our car, 
Now, today I probably would not do this because the weather forecast was uh, a bit frightening. But you know when you're young and foolish, you don't pay attention to those kind of things. So we got in the car and, and we headed across the Colorado Plains in the middle of a, well, it started off as snow, but pretty soon it was a full-blown blizzard with horizontal wind. It was hard to see. And I remember, uh, you know, at one point I pulled in the gas station. We needed gas, and I, and I filled it up with gas. And, uh, and thinking that was wise because, you know, it, you never know. You should have a full tank of gas before you go across the plains of Colorado, the western plains. And so I thought I was really smart. So we headed across, and uh, unbeknownst to me, it was such one of those storms that... Uh, Right after we got past one of those gate sections, they closed the gates. So it was, it was pretty bad. And we're heading along, and I remember we had gotten gas, and we'd been driving maybe 20 minutes, and uh, I, I looked at my gas gauge. Now, I want you to know, this car was, uh, well, it wasn't totally reliable. We, uh, I spent a lot of time working on that car. I remember one trip we were taking from Denver to Colorado Springs. It broke down on the way down there, and so I got out, and I, pretty, you know, I was kind of used to tinkering with it, and I opened the hood. I got around front, and I said, okay, now, Mary Lou, get in the driver's seat. And uh, this car had a clutch, you know, a stick shift. And I said, get in the driver's seat, and when I tell you, I want you to, you know, crank the engine. So I'm under the head, and I'm, I'm reaching, and I'm working on that. And I said, all right, crank the engine. Well, she forgot about the put in the clutch part. And so all of a sudden, I'm, the engine's going. It's moving forward, and I'm getting pulled under, and I'm saying, stop, 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 and she claims that wasn't on purpose. I, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Obviously, I survived it. But anyway, so this car was always a problem. And uh, so we're heading across in this blizzard, and I gassed up, and we're 20 minutes down the road, and I looked at my gas gauge, and it was half empty. At least that's what the gauge said. So I tapped on it, and that didn't help. And I figured, well, it can't be right because we've only driven in 20 minutes. Went about 10 more minutes, and I look, and it's a quarter of a tank is left. And now I'm getting a little nervous. Now, I haven't said anything to Mary Lou because I don't want her to worry about this, but I'm worried about this. And sure enough, it was another maybe 10 minutes, and all of a sudden, it conks out, and I coast to, to the side. And, and I can remember thinking, this is not good. Suddenly, I became a very wise young man. But it was too late because we're in this blizzard. And, so, and, and it's amazing how fast, you know, you're in one of these uh, little green refrigerators, how fast it gets cold. It's getting cold already in that car. It's so cold outside. And well, I get out and I try to uh, tinker with the engine, and it's not, that's not the problem. We were out of gas. I have no clue as to why. Later on, I found out we had a frozen carburetor. It had frozen open. But, so I start tinkering with it, and, and I can't, it's so cold where you can't even catch your breath. It's that cold. And so I get back in the car, and I'm thinking, okay, this is, we're not going to survive. And, you know, out in those plains, this happens sometimes. We're not surviving if I don't figure out to do something. I had no idea how far we were from the next exit, but I told Mary, I said, I'm, I'm going to walk to the next exit, and I'm going to get us help. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I don't know where the next exit is. I hope, you know, I throw this prayer up. And, and, uh, and, and I got to tell you, that at that moment... A verse like this would have been more than slightly irritating because I was not in any mood to give thanks to the Lord for He is good. I did not feel that way. Uh, even though I had made the dumb decision to set out on that trip, I still felt like, you know, God, you know something about this. You should have given me a heads up or something. I, I was not in a thanksgiving mood at all as I 
began as I got out of that car, and I'm really doing a, per, a lot of griping at God about what could, the potential of what could happen. Well, fortunately, just so you hear the end of the story, they had let one car behind us through that gate before they closed that gate. It was a big old Cadillac, and just as I'm ready to start walking on the road, this guy pulls up beside me, him and his wife, and they say, hey, you need some help? And I said, yeah. I said, our car's broke down. I don't know what the problem is. And, and he said, well, get your family piled in. We all piled in the car. He took us to the next exit. And we spent Thanksgiving in a little teeny shady hotel. My wife had made fruit salad. Our Thanksgiving dinner was fruit salad. That's it. And uh, they couldn't even work on a car the next day because nothing was open. So it was fruit salad the next day, too. And if Mary Lou wants to tell you the next story, I'll, I'll let a story I'll let her tell you. You can ask her. I'm getting the signal back there that not to say anything else. But anyway, it was in a <laughs> God took care of us. But, you know, I, it wasn't, it's, nothing went the way I thought it should or wanted to. Um, you know, my family, they're, they're having a nice, enjoyable Thanksgiving with all the trimmings. And we're in this little hotel room eating fruit salad. That was not my idea of a good Thanksgiving or, or a reason to be thankful. So, so I think about things like that, but then I think about uh, uh, some of you followed the, this week's events uh, with this family, the West Coast. You heard about the West Coast this week? Here's this family, and uh, uh, mom, dad, uh, Charles, Stephanie, and, and they have eight children. And they spent the last two years uh, preparing to go to the mission field. felt like God had called them to go to Cameroon to... to to share God's love there to people who'd never heard it before. And so for two years, they, they, they did what missionaries did. They spoke at churches and small groups trying to get people to pray for them and, if they, and then if they felt like they could to support them financially. And the mission had told them they had to raise a certain amount of funds to, uh, monthly funds to do that. And so it took them two years to raise those funds. And, and all that traveling and getting eight kids and, and telling eight kids before you go. See, I've been through some of this. Go, before you go into that church, behave, you know. Uh, and after two years, finally they had the support raised, and then they, then they packed. They had to decide what they could bring and what they couldn't because they're limited in space. And so they, made, they packed everything up, and they got all the stuff together and shipped it across the seas. And, and then they made the trip personally with, as a family and and they got into to Cameroon and, and found a place to, to live. And 12 days after this whole long process of following the will of God for them and finally getting to what they had dreamed about, to this place where they could share how much God loved them. This past Tuesday, Charles and Stephanie and one of their children got into the car with a fellow missionary and they're driving down the road and a gunman stepped out and shot Charles in the head, and it's done. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Kind of tough, isn't it, sometimes? So what do we do in those circumstances? And some of you are walking through, oh, you'd say, well, not that, but you know, it really doesn't matter when we're in those times where we can, quite frankly, feel forgotten by God. You know, and it can be all kinds of things. It's a funny, you know, we, we look at other people's pain. We say, well, theirs is so much worse. But, you know, when you're in it, it's, it's, it's pretty hard. 
How do we give thanks? How, how can we believe that he's good when those kind of things happen in life? That's what we want to talk about these next few weeks. I want to take us this morning to start off to Psalm 107. So turn in your Bibles or your devices to Psalm 107. If you don't have a Bible, just let me say to you, uh, there's a stack of them back there uh, by that little window. Not only can you just take one of those, that's for you, just have it, because I want you to, we'd like to, you to have the Word of God in your hands, uh, and uh, so grab a copy so today uh, as you leave and, and take it with you, and if you've never read the Bible, I would encourage you, you know, don't start, it's not like another book, don't start in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. Go back to about the last third, and there's, there's Gospels. In fact, I would go to one, there's one called John, named after the guy who wrote it, John. John was one of the followers of Jesus. Read John, start there, and... Uh, I'd love to talk to you about things you might, questions that might come up, but uh, Psalm 107 is where we're at this morning, and the best way to find Psalm, you may have learned this, is kind of flip it open in the middle, and usually you're there pretty close. That's about where it is in the Bible. Some interesting things are said by the psalmist. We're not exactly sure who wrote this particular psalm. Uh, most of them are identified, but there are a few that we're not sure exactly, except that we do know that under the design and the direction of God, that it was included in our scriptures. But Psalms make some, uh, some interesting statements. And here's the first one. Here he talks about, he says, Some wander in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. This is not just talking about a situation where, you know, I've missed a meal that's been a little tight this month, and so we're cutting back, or, or uh, you know, I just didn't have time. Or these, these folks were homeless. And it doesn't identify why. It doesn't say, well, you know, some, some of the commentaries I looked at said, well, this might be referring to the Israelites when they wandered in the wilderness. But he doesn't specify that. He just says there are people that are in situations where, they have nothing. Not even, not even what we would say are, is basic nourishment. These folks' lives are ebbing away because they don't even have enough flu, water to drink and no food and, and, and no place to call home. And, and, and you know, those are desperate straits. Uh, I've, I've told you before, our church in Maryland, we used to uh, share with some other churches in, uh, about once a month for a period of time. We, we went to, uh, into Washington, D.C. to a little park called McPherson Park, and that's where the homeless would gather. And so on our month, we would, especially this time, we would take a, some big vats of soup and bread, and we'd, and we'd go and we'd, and we'd pass out soup and bread to the folks that would gather at the park there. And, and my job, I, I would do that sometimes, but lots of times what I would end up doing was walking around just kind of talking to people and Find out that if they just wanted me to pray for them and, and hearing stories. And, you know, and some of their stories were stories of bad decisions, of, of uh, you know, uh, walking into uh, drugs that, that robbed them of, of everything, their livelihood, their families, their positions. And there were, there were stories like that. Uh, all of them were stories of regret. But, you know, some of those stories were stories of individuals. It was no fault of their own. The fact that they were... Homeless was not because they had made bad decisions. Uh, sometimes it was they, they were struggling with mental illness, or, or sometimes it was their family history, things, abusive things that they had gone through that had really made them so that they weren't able to cope with life, normal, everyday life, to the point where they couldn't 
survive in, in any kind of environment that was a healthy environment. And so they ended up sleeping on a cardboard, piece of cardboard for a bed and surviving, trying to stay warm with, by sleeping over grates out of the, where the heat exhaust would come out of buildings. And, you know, and it wasn't that they had done anything wrong, a lot of them. And even the ones that had done wrong, still you, you felt so bad for them in their plight. And, and he says, Some, there are folks like that. And, and in this passage where he brings up that kind of hopelessness, he starts the passage off by saying, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Doesn't sound good to me. Certainly they, you know, that, they didn't really want to hear from me as a pastor, say, well, you just need to thank God for your circumstances. It's not where they were. It's not what they needed to hear from me. He goes on, if you work your way down the passage a little bit, he said, there are some who sat in darkness, in the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. Now, that could be literally, <coughs> but it seems by the terminology that he may be talking about folks that, that were battling with severe discouragement, uh, depression. Yeah, that's one of those, one of those issues that we kind of, Stay away from in the church because Christians are supposed to be happy. You know, we're we're not supposed to battle depression. That that shouldn't be a part of our experience. And yet, some of you know that's very much a part of experience, if not yourself personally, but a family member maybe. And the hole, the dark, deep hole. Uh, one of my favorite historical pastors, a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Some of you have heard of him. Charles Spurgeon just was a remarkable 18th century preacher, but things that he has written. We still, when I went to Bible college, and, and in Bible college and seminaries to this very day, one of, the, one of the classes required that we read his book called Lecture to My Students. And it was a book he wrote, it is uh, some things that he felt like he was, as he's teaching young pastors, that they needed to understand and, and hear from. Just a, just a remarkable man. Even as a, even as a young man, uh, uh, in his early 20s, he was already known for the wisdom and the way he taught the Word of God. Folks would come. He would fill up these, these large uh, auditoriums because people wanted to hear Charles Spurgeon uh, preach. But when, when Charles was 23 years old, he was preaching in one of those large environments, large situations, and and uh, some person in the midst of that crowd thought it would be fun to yell, fire! And he did. He started yelling, fire, fire, there's a fire. And every, people panicked, and, you know, few panicked, and then everybody panics to the point where they rushed out of that building. And by the time they were done, uh, seven or eight people had lost their lives. They'd been trampled to death. And dozens of people were severely injured. And it's really interesting because something happened to this young man, Charles Spurgeon. Something broke in his head when that happened. And he, and he knew logically it wasn't his fault, but, but they'd come to hear him speak. And something happened in him from that moment that plagued him the rest of his life. And, and, and Spurgeon, and I appreciate this so much because i got to tell you, as much as we don't talk about these kind of things nowadays, you really didn't talk about it back in those days, but... 
Spurgeon, from that day forward, suffered from severe, long bouts of of discouragement and depression. In fact, you know, in the United States, this is from uh, three years ago. In the United States, they said that there's only over 16 million people in the United States alone that suffer, struggle with severe depression. That's not a down day once in a while. That's heavy, ongoing, daily, sunk in a hole. Spurgeon wrote this about his own. And actually, this is, there were several I could have put down. This is one of his milder ones. But he said, my spirits were sunken so low that I could weep by the hour like a child. And yet I knew not what I weeped for. This shapeless, undefinable, yet all-beclowning hopelessness cannot be reasoned with. And, and you know, if you're one that suffers or, or you know someone, that's a wonderful, terrible description. Shapeless, all-beclowning hopelessness that can't be reasoned with. And so the writer of Psalms says there are people who walk through that kind of darkness but give give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Now what what do you do with that? Certainly not what they want to hear right then. And if you've walked through it, you know it's and you might say, I, I know I should be th- more thankful, but I don't understand why I feel this way, but I, I can't take it away. can't make it go away. It, the writer goes on. So some, some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered afflictions because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. He says, you know, some of them, some of them are in their situation because they were foolish. You know, they, they knew, I, I know I shouldn't do that. Or maybe they were Christians and they say, I know God wouldn't want me to do that. But you know what? I want to do it. And so they headed the direction anyway. And, and you know, and I can, I can, well, I already shared one of my foolish stories. I could share you, I got a good list going where I, you know, I, I knew, I knew I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't head in that direction. And, uh, but I wanted to. And so I did. And, and he says, and, and so they headed the direction, and because of that, they're suffering now because of it. they made dumb decisions. And, and part of the suffering is, I made dumb decisions. I shouldn't have done that. And some of you, well, all of you, I've got to say, maybe a few of you escaped this, but all of us, we've got those things we look back to. But in spite of that, you notice the suffering is real. They, they still got to a point where they were so discouraged, and, and maybe even more discouraged about the fact that I did this to myself. That they didn't even want to eat. They, they loathed food. I, I, and, and, you know, it, so the, the heartache was real and maybe doubly real because, because they knew that they were there in those circumstances because of decisions they had made. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. You know, we, we hear those things in the midst of those kinds of dis- situations and, and Wow, just because we say this is the month we give thanks doesn't make us feel like giving thanks, does it? That's, you know, uh, 
this is a scene that somebody, some folks in our country are, are living in reality right now. A picture of uh, Mexico Beach. That's just a little teeny picture. You, you've all watched. You've seen the news. It's, that's, uh, you know, they, they use the description of the war zone, and, and it's an apt description. Just every building is down, and people's lives were destroyed, and, and it was an act of nature. We, uh, the insurance companies call it an act of God. Hard to, hard to reconcile that act of God that he, he chose for. And, and i got to tell you, there, there were all kinds of people that were in that path. There are people that love God with all their heart. God's children, as we talked about last week, and, and they lost everything. And there are people that did, they didn't care anything about God, and, and they lost everything. There, there was no respecters of persons with that storm. And, and they say it was, uh, uh, at least for decades, the, the most powerful storm that is, that's come on to our land. And that's where the, the writer of Psalms goes. He says, others went out on the sea in ships. He, he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away, and they reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits end. Now, I want you to know, we skipped a little part. That's where those three dots are. One of the things that makes clear is these are experienced seamen. They're merchants. They're used to the sea. They headed out on their ships thinking, we, got, we can handle whatever comes our way. And then God allowed, in fact, it makes it clear in that word, he allowed a disaster, a storm to come and by them. And when it talks about raising up to the heavens and sinking down to the pits, it's not talking in life experience, it's talking about waves. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of situation. It's not a fun situation. Uh, years ago, I have an uncle who, who likes to sell, and we were out on Chesapeake Bay, and, and uh, he had waited till this time of year. He needed to move his sailboat about uh, 30 miles to a, a port where they were going to take it out of the water and do some work on it, and he kept putting it off weekend after week. In fact, he had told me way back in August, he says, I, I, I need some help. Would you be willing to help me uh, take the boat up to this port, this dock? And uh, I said, Sure. Well, every weekend we are supposed to do it, and for one reason it didn't. So now we're into November, and he picks the worst possible Saturday, stormy waters. He says, today's the day, because I looked at the forecast, it's just going to get worse. And So we get out on that sailboat. Now, I've never sailed. I've been out on that boat one other time, and the seas were so calm that time that we couldn't, the sails didn't even work. We had to motor into the dock. And so, so I've never sailed, but I, I'm out here with my, with my uncle, and we are in this Huge storm. I've never seen waves like that. We're, we're, going, we're going up to the heavens and down to the pits. In fact, we had a, this didn't come for me either. First thing he did is he tied a, a dinghy, one of those rubber rafts out the back, just in case. It's like, just in case what, Bob? That's a, yeah, Uncle Bob. And, and so he tied that out there, and, and he says, now, you need to steer the boat because i got to do the other stuff. And he's out there leaning over the edge and tying ropes and and so, so, and I'm trying to, we're under sail because that's the fast way, this little engine on that's never going to get us there. And so we're under sail, and he told me how to, how to kind of do that, what to watch for in the sails, and, and, and he has me steering the boat while he's doing these other things. And I'm thinking, if, and sometimes he's leaning on, I'm thinking, if he ever falls out, I'm done. I don't, I don't know how to get back to him, you know? And so, so we're heading there, and at one point I made the mistake of looking back at the dinghy. When I looked back at that dinghy, it was up over my head. 
And all of a sudden, it made me very aware of the fact that the boat is going down and up and down and up. And, and, and pretty soon, breakfast went out. And then lunch that I hadn't even had went, yet it went out. And so these are experienced salmon. They were used to the waters. They were merchants. They were out on all the time. They thought they could handle things. And then this storm came, and they hadn't done anything wrong. They hadn't chosen to walk against the will of God. They hadn't made decisions that were now costing them. They were simply going about doing what they had always done to make a living. And, and then suddenly disaster that had nothing to do with them, and yet everything took it all, and they were, they were at their wits' end. <laughs> Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. So what do you do in those circumstances? We're moving into Thanksgiving months. So how do, how do I, how, if you're walking through one of those times, Lord, how do I, how do I give thanks here? Well, there's a clue in this chapter. We're going to dig deeper into it, but just let me give you some closing thoughts, some clues that he gives us that we need to, we need to look at a little clearer because we've got to understand them, but at least a place to go this morning. Let's go back to those wandering in the waste, the wilderness. Some wandered in the desert wastelands. And then they cried out to the Lord. Some said in darkness, the deepest gloom, that pit. And then they cried out to the Lord. Some became fools. They made really dumb decisions, things they knew they shouldn't have done. Man, you know, not, not even, you can't call them mistakes. They, were, they knew they were, I'm, I, I'm sinning. I, I should not be heading this direction. And now it's cost me to the point where I can't even enjoy food anymore. I'm so miserable about the fact that I walked myself into this situation. And even them, even the ones who had everything about says, this is my fault. So what do I do now, though? It's my fault. It's happened. What, now what do I do? Well, they cried out to the Lord. Others went out to the seas and the ships. He spoke and stirred up the tempest. And in the midst of that storm that was... One of those God events. What could they do? They could cry out to the Lord. That's actually a pretty good verse. <laughs> they cry out to the Lord. So that's where we're going to start here because we're going to look at some things that this passage points us to that, believe it or not, can allow us to be thankful in the midst of any kind of circumstances. So there are three things that we want to dig deeper into. But the first one is, that comes in this passage, is i got to tell you, whatever situation you're in, here's the counsel. Look to God for the answers. You know, it's interesting. There was a uh, Facebook, couple Facebook posts this week, and, and I think maybe because of, uh, of November and the month we're in, 
And one of them was this kind of this question of, is it hard? They're going through hard situations. You know, I know I shouldn't question God. And I had to respond. It's kind of like, wait a minute, where'd you get that? I don't see that in the Word of God. I, in fact, I see, man, read the psalm. There, there's some pretty tough questions. In fact, the Bible says that's, that's exactly who we do question. So this passage, and, and others, you know, here's James. In the, James, remember, the brother of Jesus, the guy who all the time that Jesus walked on this earth, when he's doing his ministry, you know, James grew up with Jesus. It was like, he's my, he's my older brother. He, why is he making these claims that he's the Messiah? That's ridiculous. He, James never bought it. He didn't believe it. He, in fact, one time he organized his other siblings, and <coughs> I think it's the Gospel of Mark says, they came up, Jesus was speaking somewhere, they came up and they tried to get in because they were going to grab him, you know, do a, do a rescue. <laughs> we need to, we need to, stra- so their plan was to grab him, take him back home before he embarrassed everybody any more than he already had. And, and then James, who saw his brother crucified on a cross, probably thought, you've done it. You've shamed our family name. You know, look what, what, what this is doing to mom. Her heart is broken. Probably thought, you know, this is, we, we knew it was coming. We predicted this kind of an end. If you just would have listened to us. Saw his brother die on the cross and then saw his brother resurrected from the dead. And suddenly you thought, oh, whoa, was I ever wrong. And so James became one of the leaders of the church. In the book of James, he says this. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. So what do I do in those circumstances when it's not easy to be thankful? We'll start there. Look to God for answers. Cry out to God. I, I don't get this, God. I don't, I don't know why I'm in this circumstances. Or, or maybe I do, but this is so hard. Help me know what to do. Help me to understand. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. There's, there's a secret there. Now, we're going to have to explore that a little bit because it's kind of hard sometimes when you're in the midst of it, when the hammer's down, the vice is tight, to feel like God is good. But see, that's the problem we have is the only reason we don't believe that is because we don't really know him. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because, you know, our problem is we need to get to know God so that we can trust his goodness. Sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's something we just have to fall back on. God always, always is about our benefit and our prosperity. And then finally, we want to think this through, for he is good, his love endures forever. Isn't that what we feel like sometimes? We talked about this a few weeks ago as we were looking at some of the things Paul wrote. Sometimes you just, you got, circumstances just seem to, to shout to us, God must not really love me, otherwise why is this happening? And the psalmist says, no, that's not true. His love endures forever. A little later in the same psalm, he says, it's unfailing. So if we feel like he's backed away, he's, he's rejected us, we're wrong. But we need to spend some time talking about that because 
no matter what your circumstances, here's God's call. He says, trust me. My love never fails. You can be thankful. We want to answer that question. Okay, Lord, how? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for a beginning. We're going to spend some time exploring this because uh, we're in that month where we're told we're supposed to be thankful. And, and some of us, that's pretty easy right now. Some of us, man, is that hard. And it could be hard because of decisions we made. We were foolish. We know it. We're not, we're not denying that. We, we, I knew when I headed that direction, I shouldn't have headed it. But the circumstances are, are just as hard and maybe even more hard because I know it's my decision that put us here. And yet you're saying, okay, but it's all right. My love endures forever. We're going to work this out. In fact, I'm going to use it for your good. But Lord, I need to know you if that's going to be true. I've got to learn to trust you. I've got to learn to, who you really are, what your heart is like for me. Others have experienced all kinds of other things. It had nothing to do with them. They, they couldn't even have prepared for it. it. just It's one of those acts of God, as the insurance company says. Lord, how do we deal with those acts of God? How do we, how do we in the midst of it, have a heart that says, Okay, Lord, I don't know why this is happening, but I know you do, and Lord, I'm thankful. Because if you chose this for me, it's, it's the best. So, Lord, we need to talk this through. We need to think this through. So guide us through this discussion together and help us come out the other side with this heart, this understanding that says, ha, ah, God is good. Pray these things in your son's name.
Thanks for worshiping with us. We'll see you next time.